This is ESPN New Hampshire, WGAM, Manchester, WGHM, Nashua. sandwich you want want to wind up in he's going to knock this ball out and then Earl Thomas is going to make Gronkowski pay make that big guy pay a price for coming over the middle uh that was a big hit for sure uh probably one of the hardest I got hit in my career uh for sure uh by a good, good player good fast player who's like a missile so it was a good it was a good clean hit uh nothing against it uh just took it and uh just knocked the wind out of me a little bit uh, that's all. Uh, you ever get the wind knocked out of you, you know what that feels like. Just uh, down for about a minute or two. Uh, you know, it's a little tough to breathe, but once you get, once it comes back, you're good. And welcome back to the stretch run here on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy, Justin Sullivan, working the boards here. Time to talk some. NFL and Patriots and bounce around the league with our good friend from Yahoo Sports Shutdown Corner, Eric Edholm. And I, uh, Eric, I played a Make Some Noise Beastie Boys there for the Patriots fans. Uh, Pete Carroll asked me to play that for them. <laughs> Did you? What'd you think of that? I wonder what would happen if he was in the division. I think that quote might have resonated a little more. Who knows? Maybe they'll uh, they'll meet again in the Super Bowl, but. Yeah, I know that uh, that upsets some people a little bit. Yeah, but you know what, Eric? I mean, you know what? Before we go on in this, I want to play the the, the clip here because Justin does have it here. So let's go to the clip, and then I'll tell you what I think here. What was the environment like? Okay, it's not a great place. It, is, it you know it wasn't. Um, they weren't nuts. They're so it's it's because they're so used to winning. You know, and there was a time when they kicked their last field goal to go ahead, and there was like. You know, a round of applause for the for the you know the nice effort and stuff. I guess our guys would be going berserk. You know, <laughs> you know we're so hungry for it. You you know what, Eric? I mean, I, I kind of agree with him. I, I I think that you know, and you know this, you're from this area, and you come back to visit, and um, obviously we've been spoiled here uh, with so many Super Bowls and just that expectation that it's a championship or nothing, and uh, the the team's off to a great start and. I get it. He's right. I mean, I didn't notice a lot of noise there on the final drive and, and, until they missed, until they they didn't convert and Gronk dropped that. So I kind of agree with him, and I wonder, you know, your take on that. Has winning so much kind of stolen the enthusiasm a bit? Yeah, maybe. And, uh, you know, not being there, you know, not seeing the team locally on a weekly basis, it's harder for me to know. I mean, I haven't been to Gillette since, geez, I'm trying to think. Maybe 2013 or something like that, 14. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been a while. And, and is it possible? Sure. You know, we see it. And we see, people, you know, teams that, that have incredible runs of success where you expect to win every game, even against a great team like the Seattle Seahawks. And I do think they're great. You know, I know yeah, they're, I do too. Uh, they got off to a slow start and all that. But, yeah, I can see that happening. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting phenomenon. Yeah, you know, John, uh, we had a, a guy, John Serenades, he comes on the show sometimes from xandjoe.com and fansided. And he did make a good point, though. He says, look, you have to understand that Pete Carroll's coming from a different culture now in Seattle where it's more of a college town. You know, there's more college sports. Sure. It's not as big a pro sports team, uh, team town. And that can have an effect on how he sees it. And he's not, he's used to more of that sort of college excitement. And I get that. And we all love that. I mean, that's why I think we all love college football. But it was interesting. I'm, I'm interested to see how the Pats fans re- respond in their next home game. We shall see. Um, but quickly, before we move ahead from the pitch, I want to look back at that game. And, and you, you said it there. You do think that the Seahawks are a better team than maybe some thought 
coming into this game. But, I mean, I don't know why people didn't understand that. I mean, yeah, Russell Wilson was hurt, and that's all. To me, from afar, I was like, when he gets healthy, this team's a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I picked them to win the Super Bowl in the preseason. Um, yeah, I feel better about that than the other half of my pick, which is the <laughs> Bengals. So I'll, I'll throw that out there. You can grab me. That's okay. That, but, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I, I look at this team and I say, okay, you know, Michael Bennett, in theory, should get healthy here. You know, Thomas Rawls is back. They pro-sized had some nice runs. I mean, they're, they're starting to get some of, the, some of the issues that they had. They're starting to fix. And, you know, I look at the NFC West. The Cardinals are, are just sort of barely hanging on. You know, the Rams are starting a rookie quarterback with Jared Goff. Now you guys will see him in a couple of weeks. And, you know, I, that, that division is there. And now it's all about can they overcome uh, the Dallas Cowboys and, and, and possibly get the top seed. So it's going to be fascinating. I, I think they're as, as well prepared as any team in the NFC, given their experience, their, their attitude, their history. I mean, it's just a, it's going to be fun to watch them down the stretch when they – typically play their best ball. I mean, they are a great November, December team over the last five years. I like this sort of no-fear attitude they had when they came into Gillette, too. And, you know, you don't see that uh, too too often against the Patriots. But uh, one thing a lot of people are fearing right now around here, Eric, is the state of the Patriots' defense. And I want to get another take. We we talked to Cole Wright yesterday. He didn't seem too worried. But I want to get your take on, on the state of that defense right now. Um, you know, we're seeing Belichick have a guy in as a starter one week and the next week he's inactive and it just seems that he can't find the right mix right now. Are you as worried about this defense as a lot of people around here? Well, they certainly didn't pass their first big post Jamie Collins trade test, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, Wilson has a career high in yards. They spread the Patriots out, which was something that they didn't really have answers for. You know, the wheel route to pro size. You know, Landon Roberts maybe exposed a little bit in coverage there. Um, you know, doubling Jimmy Graham in the red zone. And, you know, guess what? Baldwin gets open. Or, you know, they have other options they can go to. And so teams with that kind of balance, I think, or, you know, the ability to spread the football out might test them a little bit. Um, you know, I know they've invested so heavily in, in safeties and cornerbacks, and they're still kind of waiting for all that to, to kind of come to fruition. And the same with the pass rush, too. I know they – you know, we're talking about trading away a good blitzer in Jamie Collins, a good pass rusher in, in uh, Chandler Jones. You know, it's not going to be the same, but you still expect somebody to step up. And, and who knows? Javal Shear could come out there next week and go from, what, 15 snaps to, to 55, like you said. Yeah. They, they do those matchups every week. And so um, I, I, I still have some level of concern, but – Early in the season, they were good at keeping teams out of the end zone. So if they can be that kind of a defense again and not the big play defense we saw last year and the year before, I think that could be okay still. He seemed to, in that game, to really be giving uh, Trey Flowers a a big chance there to really establish himself. And I'm interested to see, you know, if he did, if he was impressed with what he did out there. So I'm interested to see the amount of snaps he gets next week. Uh, Eric, let's move to the game that took place last night in New York. Uh, and you had a piece on it on Shutdown Corner there talking about maybe the Giants' defense isn't getting enough respect right now, and uh, they definitely stood up to the task last night. Yeah, I mean, with all the money they spent last year or this offseason on that side of the ball, you know, they had a long way to go. I mean, they were dead last against the pass last season. The pass rush was anemic. And so when the returns didn't happen right away, people were kind of scratching their heads and, okay, our record's good, but when is this defense going to arrive? Well, they have recently, and they've done a good job holding teams down, especially in the second half. I mean, really, they gave up that one big play, 71-yard play in the first half out of a trick formation. I think the rest of the game, the Bengals had something like 190 yards off it. Yeah. And they kept putting him in those third and long. So, you know, Cowboys, they're the story. There's no question about it. But this is a good NFC East right now. Every team is over 500. And the Giants are 6-3. and three. So, boy, I mean, the record, even if they're not a great team yet, I mean, if they're still kind of coming together, 
we can't ignore that record. Right now they're in, in pretty good shape, and, and they've got some games left against those contenders, and they beat the Cowboys. They're the one team who's done it so far. Yeah, I mean, hey, uh, Sully, Cole Wright told us here from NFL Network yesterday, I said, who's a, who's a team that nobody's talking about to keep an eye on in the second half? And he said the New York Giants, and, you know, I'm with him on that, and you make some good points there. And you talk about I that defense. I mean, they've got a quarterback yeah. who's been there before. They've got a playmaker in OBJ. They've yep. got a, something of a run game now. I mean, I see it, yeah. And, and what's the word on Vereen? Like, where is he right now? Um, I haven't heard anything lately on him, so I can't really give you much. I mean, the hope was that he could come back for the end of the season. But they got Rashad Jennings back last night, so that's one piece of the right. equation. But, yeah, he, he would help them out a lot, just be that underneath option, the occasional run option. So, yeah, that would, that would be another piece they'd love to have back. I saw that tweet, too. I'm looking at your Twitter page right now, and somebody tweeted, this isn't your older brothers, and you said, NFC East, and you said, well, what about your uncles? That's <laughs> classic. I mean, hey, I, I covered the NFC East for Pro Football Weekly for a long time, and, you know, every year, the Eagles, the Cowboys, even the Redskins won the division a couple times. There was, there was a stretch there in the mid-2000s where they were really good. I mean, maybe they didn't have that one elite team, but Man, it's funny how it was kind of considered a crummy division the last few years, and, and now I think they're kind of back on, on top a little bit. Yeah, Let, let's stick quickly uh, with one other team. You mentioned the Cowboys there. Obviously, that's a team everyone's talking about right now. Um, but we ta- we spoke about this uh, yesterday, I think, towards the end of the show, uh, my producer, uh, Sully, here and me, and we were wondering, you know, this whole Elliott off-field issue going on right now with the – investigation into possible domestic violence. It's quite an elephant in the room that nobody's really talking about. And I'm wondering, you know, if something was to materialize further from that to the point where, you know, should he be suspended? This is a possible MVP candidate, uh, all but sure rookie of the year candidate. I mean, what's your take on that and where that could lead? You know, the, the initial feeling when the report came out was once the police report was issued, once people kind of read through it, once I saw some of the details, and the fact that there were a lot of conflicting reports, that, right. that a lot of the eyewitnesses to the, to the incident kind of said that there were totally different things happening. Now, sometimes theories get floated by the people being accused, whether it's Elliot or his agent or, you know, people in his camp, whatever. But it did sort of... There was this feeling that maybe this girl didn't like the fact that he wasn't with her, with him anymore, that he was not paying her any attention or something like that, mm-hmm. and that this was some sort of act of jealousy to kind of frame him. So that theory, I think, colored people's minds a little bit and made people think maybe it wasn't as serious as that. But the NFL is right to investigate this thing. They've gotten a couple of these things badly wrong, right. and, and it crushed them in the court of public opinion. So they are – very smart to thoroughly vet this whole thing out and make sure that that there isn't anything here. And if there is, they're good. they've got to act. So, yeah, I haven't heard anything new on the case. But, yeah, I mean, I'm curious to see if, if there is a next step taken by the NFL. Well, and that's the thing, too, right? Like, you're right. They have to act. And and it's almost like this is going to be such a tough situation because he is he's just the guy right now in the NFL. Everybody's talking about him. Everybody's amazed with what he's doing on the field. So, you just hope that it doesn't come to that for all parties involved. Uh, you hope so- something, uh, there's a solution there after the see. I don't know. It's just, it, it could be a messy situation, but we'll get to that when we get to that. You mentioned uh, the Rams and, and, and Jared Goff now is going to start his first game. Uh, how excited are you if you're a Rams fan right now about this? <laughs> or if you're Todd Gurley and, and you've had a miserable season yep. running up into the back of your offensive lineman. I look, I well, I had talked to some people there about, let's say, it was right around when they went to London, and they just come back from London. The feeling then was that he was progressing, that he was had a better grasp of what they were trying to do. He was going to have to work through some kinks, dropping from center, changing his eye level, you know, versus being in the shotgun all the time. Sure, yeah. Um, were they planning to to peel back the offense a little bit and, and pare it down to sort of the some of the basics? Yeah, that was sort of the, the feeling. But they also didn't want to make this a, 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 a super vanilla offense either because that's not doing him any favors, too. He had to have some mastery there. So that and the fact that I think they just ran out of time with Case Keenum. I mean, he was, he was, he was regressing. You know, mm-hmm. two touchdowns, five interceptions the past three games. You know, another – yeah, they win the game, but two games where they've 
uh, won and failed to score a touchdown, failed to reach 10 points. So they just couldn't do it anymore. Gurley's got to be happy. You have to think at this point, and that's the feeling I've gotten, is that he's a better option than, than Case Keenum. And until the Rams were comfortable with that, they weren't going to make that move. But the, the timing of this thing is fascinating because they've got the Dolphins this weekend, and the Dolphins have already knocked five I quarterbacks out yep. of games so far. Yeah. And then you've got, you know, a couple of more at the Saints, at, you know, the Patriots game, at New England. You look at the next five games, and they're brutal. So, yeah. I mean, good luck, kids. I mean, he gets thrown into the wolves right away. It's very interesting timing. You know, they're going to at least paint this as we made a push for the playoffs no matter what happens. Yeah, you're right. And, and you know what else? I, I think on a league level, too, though, I mean, if he was ever able to surprise against that challenging schedule that you just referenced there and, and succeed, uh, having the number one pick in that market, uh, the NFL is going to be all smiles because I think it's really key – for the Rams to reestablish themselves there uh, soon. Because right now you look at that team, they've probably had one of the best defenses in the league, but on the flip side, yep. it's boring. It's been boring, boring football from the L.A. Rams there, and they need that market to succeed so desperately. I think so, too. And I think one reason why Jeff Fisher hasn't gotten that extension yet is because, you know, management's sitting there saying, oh, you know, are we going to be a 7-9 and team for eternity? Are we going to beat one of those teams that, like you said – is competitive, but kind of bland. And Dane Kroenke, the owner, spent a lot of money and has a lot of money invested in this thing. It's his gamble on LA people coming out. What do they like? They like the Showtime Lakers. They like the Flash and the you know the USC of Pete Carroll days. You know, celebrities on the sideline and all that stuff. There has to be a glitch factor to it. Right now, there is none. So that's a big deal, obviously. And if if golf is good. We have to tip our caps to Fisher. As much garbage as we give him, I mean, we have to say that they handled it right in the sense that they felt he was not ready up until this point. He plays yep. well. It kind of backs up their, their decision, I think. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Well, listen, I like I said, I asked Cole Wright. I'm going to ask you now. A team you're keeping an eye on, uh, you can say the Giants if you want, but if you've got another one uh, that could really surprise and make some traction here in the second half. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll, I have to be different, right? I'm not going to just pick the same guys <laughs> as uh, he did. I would be, you know, kind of cheating in some respect. But, yeah, I mean, I think if you look at the, you know, I'll look in the AFC first and I'll say, okay, everyone kind of talked about the Raiders and then maybe some people think the Broncos could hit their stride. But what about the Kansas City Chiefs? Now, yeah. obviously their record puts them pretty high up there. But when you have Macklin and you have Kelsey starting to heat up, Spencer Ware is one of those pass catcher runner types. He's got some bulk to him. I know Alex Smith isn't sexy, but Justin Houston's getting healthy. I mean, I just feel like nobody's giving these guys any credit. And, man, I, I don't know. They, they're tough. And they, they've taken care of business their last 19 regular season games. There's, what, 17 and 2 or whatever. Yep. Uh, some tough games left, but they can win that division, which would uh, surprise a lot of people who are on the Raiders or the Broncos game Yeah, I'm with you. And you know what, Eric? I remember you uh, saying the same thing around this time on uh, Mitch Melnick's show up at TSN 690 last year, and you were right. They tore it up after that. I don't think they lost a game after you said it. I, I, I They were my Super Bowl pick last year, and, and Mitch could not stop making fun of me for it. And <laughs> I, I liked it. I was fun. You know, I have known Mitch a decade now. But yeah. So when they started 1-5, and five, I wasn't feeling too good about myself. They turned it around pretty well, and uh, – you know, and, and you thought they battled the Patriots pretty they close did. in that game for, for a while. It was a hell of a game. It was a hell of a game. Listen, Eric, always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, continue the great work at Shutdown Corner. We'll look forward to having you on down the line. Oh, thank you. I'll talk to you soon. All right. That's Eric Edholm of Shutdown Corner, yahoosports.com. Join us here. He's great. Definitely read his stuff. I love hearing him on the radio. Like I said, I always listen to him when he's on uh, with my buddy Mitch Melnick up on TSN 690 in Montreal, but I cannot listen to that anymore because they're in the same hours. <laughs> it's kind of tough, so why not have him on our show? And uh, gracious to have him here join us on the stretch run uh, every so often. In our next segment, Justin and I are going to bounce around, talk a variety of things, one of them already being, as we established, what could the New Orleans Pelicans have been named? Why did they go the way of the uh, 10-year-old? And, and the arena, too. The smoothie, whatever it was. I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about that. I want to talk about the whole Phil Jackson, LeBron James feud. Uh, we'll talk some NFL, some hockey. 
you want to give us a call, talk any sports you want, 603-883-9900, 603-883-9900. The Stretch Run will be back. Tuesday, ESPN New Hampshire will be giving away tickets to a lucky caller on Ticket Tuesdays. Can't wait to go. Sweet. Here on ESPN New Hampshire. Yes, yes, y'all. And you don't stop. Keep it on. Anytime you can play the Beastie Boys more than once in the show, you got to do it. And it just fit the topic here that I want to discuss. You heard Christian talking about at the end of Christian and King here on ESPN New Hampshire. And now on the stretch run here, your host, Jimmy Murphy, Justin Sullivan, the producer. We want to we touch on that Phil Jackson, uh, LeBron James feud a bit right now. Beef. We got beef. Yeah. Yeah. I, now... You are a millennial, as we have discussed yes. many times. I am a, Te- technically, yes, I am, I am a ge- Generation X right here, myself, being a 42-year-old. Uh, y- inform me here, if I haven't been informed already. Did I miss the... Because, I mean, it seems every day there's a new PC memo being distributed yeah. throughout Twitter or social media. From the millennials, mostly. Yes, from the millennials, mostly, uh, of what is politically correct and what's not. Um, to you, is the word posse racist? No, not even. It, I I have never, I don't think I've used the word posse in probably three years. No, see, that's <laughs> another thing too, right? It's not, like, it's, it's, it's hardly ever used. It's just, you don't use it. And I'm guessing people of the same age as you might not even know what the yeah, heck what, it means. What is, what is a posse? Yeah, exactly. Okay. No, no one uses, who uses the word posse? It's, so, it's squad, it's crew, it's... Just my my boys, like my boys. Yeah. Now, see, I was going to ask you that too. Is that okay still? Yeah, that's if if you refer to your group, I refer to my group as the squad. We're we're squad. Okay, it's a squad thing. If you, if I mean, you call I, my squad, I consider squad, you I my care. boy, Scully. Yeah, exactly. You know, you're, 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 you're like boys. my younger brother from another mother. You exactly, know? boys. That's fine. Well, I'm like, okay is, to say that. Yeah, you're good. What's the issue there? I don't see an issue here. This I'm not whole like thing... a, a Donald Trump lover. No, no. I'm <laughs> saying this. Yeah, of course. That's what everyone's going to right now. No, that's. I don't see an issue here. I don't know why this is becoming a thing. It's who uses the word posse anymore, anyways. That's a Phil Jackson thing, anyways. Phil Jackson is the only one I could think of that would ever I mean, use I, the I, word I, posse. I, like, come I, up I've with that. Thrown it around here and there, you know. I don't. Yeah, I can't remember the last time I used exactly. it. Exactly. No one actually uses it in like normal conversation. Like yeah. that's not a thing that just comes up out of your mouth. Like that's not a normal vocabulary. But here, furthermore, to this specific situation here with LeBron and Phil Jackson, and, yeah. and what. Phil Jackson was saying to Jackie McMullen, and I, I got to pull this story up again. Um, he was saying what Pat Riley said. Not, not so. It's not even Phil Jackson's yeah. words. Yeah, it's like this is what Pat Riley yeah, would he was say. Quoting somebody. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I, I just I don't get the beef. Now Christian is saying the beef was was more about yeah it was Big picture. It there wasn't what, directly from Le- LeBron. From the word posse. Yeah, LeBron did not directly say, you know, I don't like the word posse. Blah blah. blah. That came from his agent, one of his boys, who was part of this posse. He's one okay. of his one of his crew members. Today we don't like one that. of his entourage. Yes, exactly. Entourage, would be a more updated word. Entourage, part okay. of his squad. You know, his squad came out and say, hey, we don't like that. God, I'm getting old. Right. I don't. I don't know where this came from. I don't. I don't know why this is a big deal. I don't. I don't understand the problem. And. 
you know, it's just it's a non-story. The the real issue is LeBron has beef with Phil Jackson because Phil Jackson called him out and said he was a prima donna, which is what he is. But that's the NBA in a nutshell. Yeah, all, all these stars and, 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 are prima donnas. Yeah, period. And the story. Are. They they, are. they run the league. They run. LeBron can do whatever he wants at Cleveland. For for our listeners, and, and if you want to uh, you want to talk about this, you have you have something to say about it. But if not, you want to talk about anything else, it's fine. You want to talk about your posse or your boys? <laughs> Tell us about them. Hopefully you all listen to the stretch run here on ESPN New Hampshire and, and Christian and King as well and in all our broadcasts uh, that our posse does here. Yeah, we we got, uh, we, we got a great good, posse here at ESPN good posse New Hampshire. Here, you know? um, but uh, you want to give us a call, 603-883-9900, 603-883-Wayne Gretzky, 100. Uh, and, if, you know, for you younger folks there, <laughs> um, trying to think of who's a good 99 these days. Mm. I don't even know if that exists. That... I mean, I go Rick Vaughn from Major League, but that's, again, <laughs> way before their time. Uh, it's more of a double zero type now. Who is a good 99 in sports? You can't do it in hockey, obviously, because yeah. it's universally retired. It's like, doesn't exist. I don't, I'm not, I can't even think of one, a 99. Any basketball players? Yeah. No. Interesting. Try to think. I'm trying. Yeah, you to think. Google that, but you give us a call. But let me read the quote here that we're uh, we're all talking about here that that this, our posse here is discussing. Yes. Uh, this is Phil Jackson to Jackie McMullen in a uh, an article published this week on ESPN.com. And by the way, Jackie McMullen, I had the great pleasure of working with her at ESPN Boston. She is uh, to me one of the uh, best, the epitome of what a journalist should one be. One of the best. Uh, she is a how do I put this? A um, a perfect example of what a female journalist. See, and I can get in trouble for saying yeah. this, and I'm trying to give her a compliment. She's a perfect example of how I won't say female of how a journalist that has society odds stacked against yeah him or her because it's not just about females. It could be about minorities. It could be about anything. But when you come into a, fa- a field, it is about women. You come into my field, which is dominated by men, uh, which has that sort of locker room type atmosphere yeah, about yeah. it. To have a woman accomplish and become as established and connected as Jackie McMullen did is, is just simply amazing. I mean, she's more connected. She's probably one of the top three most connected journalists in the NBA. Yeah. And she's transcended into other sports too. Um, so I, I, I just think she's a perfect example of what aspiring journalists should be. Not just females, but very much females, but not just females. Yeah. Um, if you get my drift. You see how I have to be politically yeah, correct there? I get it. I get what you're saying. Even when I'm trying to give a compliment. Yeah. By the way, 99 Jake Crowder. That's the only one I can find. Jake? I knew there was a Celtic. Yeah, there was a Celtic. Jake Crowder. Yeah. So you can, you can use Jake Crowder. There we go. I mean, he's hurt. But All right. Use it. So there give us a call. It's 603-883-Jake Crowder 100. <laughs> All right? That's how we're going we're gonna to say that just for to, to become a little more current here on ESPN New Hampshire. But let's get to this Phil Jackson quote to uh, my former colleague, Jackie McMullen. Uh Jackson, in an interview with ESPN's Jackie McMullen, published this week, made the statement while revisiting James's departure from the Miami Heat to the Cleveland Cavaliers in the summer of 2014 and what it meant for the tenure of Heat president Pat Riley. It had to hurt when they lost LeBron, Jackson said. That was definitely a slap in the face. But there were a lot of little things that came out of that. When LeBron was playing with the Heat, they went to Cleveland, and he wanted to spend the night. They don't do overnights. Teams just don't. I did not. I wasn't aware of that. They do in hockey. Yeah. Uh, not. So now, Coach Eric Spolstra, who's a coach at the time, had to text Riley and say, "What do I do in this situation?" And Pat, who has iron fist rules, answers, "You're on the plane. You're with this team. You can't hold up the whole team because you and your mom and your posse want to spend an extra night in Cleveland." I always thought Pat had this really nice vibe with the guys, but something happened there where it broke down. I do know LeBron likes special treatment. He needs things his way. Yeah. I mean, that's well known. Yes, he's LeBron James. Yes. And and you know what, though, LeBron? Nobody knocks you for it because you've backed up your play as the greatest player of this generation, one of the greatest players of all time. And nobody's going to argue that either. So, look, he's just telling it like it is. Maybe you've changed. Maybe you're not like that now. And good on you if that's the case. 
but he is telling it like it was then. And that is a fact. You were a prima donna. And I'm sorry. There's nothing wrong with using the word posse. Get over it. Can, can this stupid, politically correct nonsense go away already? I mean, look at the stuff we're seeing right now. It goes on to the stuff we've seen in the, in the aftermath the of protests. Trump. Yes, the protests. And, and by the way, if I see one more tweet, Facebook post, or quote, Don't or, or statement Don't even on TV started. or on the radio, I heard it today again. This uh, Alex guy on the morning show on EEI in Boston uh, saying that the day after the election was equal to 9-11, that 11-9 is 9-11? Not even close. Not even. That's, that's, what are you saying? Because the numbers make, make yeah, sense? Because yeah. they match up? You think you're, you think you're funny? Yeah. think you're cute? I lost 11 people on 9-11. How many people died because of the election? Seriously. I, I, there, there may have been some. I haven't seen any reports. And please correct me if I'm wrong. But how many people died as a direct result of the election results? Now, they may eventually, I'm sure, in protests and riots, because people somehow think rioting and trashing your city and beating up innocent people because of who they voted for is going to solve a problem and get Trump out of office. But honestly, how dare you compare that to 9-11? Just completely, totally opposite ends of the spectrum. Disrespectful, basically. It, it's it, complete disrespect it's to all the victims Period. and all that were affected, including every single American, including every member of the human race, because that was a crime against humanity. Electing Donald Trump isn't a crime against humanity. It may seem like it, and it could lead to some. I will admit that. But don't ever. I, it just if, if anyone ever says that to me on the air, I might lose my job. Yeah. I, I might just snap. Agreed. I'm sorry. It's just it's get, it's political. I'm done with this stuff. But back to this LeBron thing. He needs to just lighten up. It, what, it, what it is is— And by the way— Phil Jackson's the greatest coach, other than maybe Red Arbuck. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it's Phil can say what he wants, and and Phil obviously Phil's earned that right, and so is LeBron. And he's and he's he's dealt with his share of prima donnas. He coached Kobe and the Lakers. He coached that team. Yeah, so he's dealt with that, and he knows what it is. He knows how the league works. That's just what it is. Is it's a commentary on the NBA as a whole. If you're a star in the NBA, and we've talked about this, trying to get faces out there. I talked about this with Sean Sandal and marketing and all that. LeBron James is the face of the NBA. You see him everywhere. He's on every single commercial, every single ad. When you're that type of superstar, you could do whatever you want, especially in your hometown. He could do whatever he wants in Cleveland. He runs the city of Cleveland, period, end of story. He can do whatever he wants. He is a prima donna. Stars in that league are prima donnas. That's just how the league works. So to get mad about the, the use of posse, it's not LeBron getting mad. It's the fact that his agent needs to come out here and, and make some statement and be in the and be in the news now for no reason. Maybe Please, you should have a problem with him. Like, go away, dude. Like, Maybe really, you should tell his agent. You're to not shut LeBron up. James. I don't need to hear you. No one knows who you are, sir. Yeah. I don't care who you are. Please go away. It's about LeBron and the whole prima donna and the whole NBA as a whole. The the greatest one of the greatest players ever to play, Tim Duncan, just retired. You never heard a peep from Tim Duncan ever. Why is that? Because that's who he is. That's who he was. That's how every star should be. Why does there have to be some sort of posse following you around? Why does it have to be some sort of glam and stardom and all this? It's, it's unnecessary. So, LeBron, don't take it to heart. It's just how it is, and you know that's how it is. Deal with it and move on from it. I'm sick of this whole or prove him wrong or posse thing. Like that's, This is such a non-story, dude. But and why, it's all and from the, the problem. This is where, like, this is what's wrong. We've gone over this so many times. Justin, in, the, in this society and in, in sports media right now, there's enough to talk about. Yeah, there's so many other on things On the floor, talk about. on the rink, on the ice, on the fields, on the sandlot, the, on the pitch. And I got to talk about the word posse. Like, who? Enough. When is the last but, time anyone's actually he, used when that? He, you know? sir, when, he, when he responds this way, yeah. he's almost confirming yeah, absolutely. what Riley and Jackson are saying about him. 
when you when you come out and you say, oh, I got beef with this guy, like you're just creating more of a story. Why don't you make it about your team instead of yourself for once? Like, please, can you make it about your team and, even and trying he, to repeat if, for if once? If he wholeheartedly disagrees with what he said, Ugh. I would have just said, Phil is a legend in our game. He's entitled to his opinion. Yeah, period. End of story. You don't need to, you don't need to go any further. And you know what? If anything, then Phil looks like the bad guy. Yeah. If, if I don't think he should. Yeah. But if there is going to be somebody that looks bad in a situation, he's going to look like the bad guy. And there. people wonder why. Take why the people, high road. People wonder why people don't like LeBron James. Like it's things like that where this story comes out. I don't need to talk <sighs> about this. Why do we Gosh. need to talk about this? Is so such a non-story that this has to come up. The word posse has to come make a comeback from 1970. Like we have to talk about this. Like it's some <laughs> big deal. I can't stand this. It's so <laughs> stupid. Like. Please, get over yourself. Talk about your team instead of your posse. God. Well, you know what? We're going to talk about another basketball team, another basketball topic, and that is the Boston Celtics, and they need to get their posse straightened out. Yeah, they need to figure some things out. They got Legit. some issues. Like, all right, they need to get things straightened out upstairs in their heads. This isn't a talent thing. Yes, I agree. It is a talent. But it you is know a talent. I, you know what I mean. But though. there's there, there's more talent on this team that's being showed. There's more heart on this team that's being showed. Last night, there's no reason you should ever lose to the Pelicans of all teams. Yeah, Ugh, it's disgusting. You, there's more on this team. They're not in a that. position where they can walk into any game and say we're gonna walk over this team. Yeah, we can take the night off. They're just not, and they won't be until they get more talent. So that being said, accept who you are. And show what you you did last year. You can hang with anyone. When you put your heart to it and your mind to it, you can hang with anyone. That's what's great about sports. And that's why everybody was falling in love with this Celtics team. So we're going to figure out how the Celtics get back to that lovable squad with Sean Sendell, our Celtics insider, or one of our Celtics insiders for ESPN New Hampshire, here on the Stretch Run. Stay with us. Looking mighty freaky in a black silk dress. The closer that we get, the crazier I feel. My posse's on Broadway. It's time to get ill. My posse's on Broadway. My posse's on Broadway. It's the stretch run with Jimmy Murphy. Weekdays from 3 to 6 right here on ESPN New Hampshire. Christian and King. One game? Yeah, one game was ridiculous. One? It was ridiculous. You got ripped when you gave Ray Rice two. two. Now you're going to give this guy one? Yeah, no, it's just, and What's this guy, yeah, this guy's really bad. Josh Brown's ex-wife told police of over 20 physically violent yes. instances. Police were called on multiple occasions to the Browns residents in Washington State, St. Louis, and New Jersey over the years. Jeez, three states, come on. Weekdays, noon to three on ESPN New Hampshire Radio and streaming live on ESPNNHradio.com. Looking for a stylish place to call home? Then you need to check out the brand new apartment homes in Lowell at 24 Merrimack Street. The apartments at 24 Merrimack Street are located in historic downtown Lowell and offer unique apartment living within an historic 19th century building. Residents enjoy brand new interiors and unparalleled lifestyle amenities. Just moments from downtown Lowell's boutique shops, cafes, and entertainment. For more information, please visit 24MerrimackStreet.com. Again, that's 24MerrimackStreet.com. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. We just bought a fixer-upper, and I don't know where to begin. So I went to see Paul at our neighborhood Ace. I told Nate we have everything he needs to help him repair their home, from a wide selection of paint colors, craftsman tools, and the best lawn and garden brands. Ace is the place with exactly what you need, starting with help. Ace Hardware now is a brand-new store in Nashua on Pearl Street downtown. That's right, a brand-new Ace Hardware store in tax-free Nashua, New Hampshire. Nashua Ace Hardware is a division of Nashua Wallpaper. In southern New Hampshire, there's only one choice when it comes to the best in orthopedic care. New Hampshire Orthopedic Center has been providing award-winning treatment for all orthopedic conditions for over 40 years. Chances are one of our physicians has helped someone you know get back in motion. Voted best orthopedic office by union leader three years running. Voted top doctors 30 times by peers in New Hampshire Magazine. Tell your primary care physician you'd like to see a specialist at New Hampshire Orthopedic Center. We keep bodies in motion. Visit NHOC.com for more information. Which is worse, a trip to the hospital or the fees and bills that come with it? At the Bedford Ambulatory Surgical Center, they provide a comfortable and friendly environment while offering high-quality imaging for open MRI and low-dose CAT scans and ultrasounds, all at an affordable price. Their modern technology allows for accurate diagnosis while ensuring complete patient comfort and safety. For more information or to set up an appointment, please call 603-622-3670 or visit bedfordsurgical.com or baskimaging.com. 
We all have our mountains, the challenges that push us further. At Coors Light, our mountain is brewing the world's most refreshing beer. That's why all of our breweries cold lager to give Coors Light its signature crisp taste. It's why we cold filter to ensure brilliance and clarity. And it's why we package cold to seal in Coors Light's refreshing flavor. Because we believe every climb deserves a refreshing finish. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Great beer, great responsibility. Granite State game day, Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Everyone's clamoring now for them to trade the pick. The fact remains that you should have just listened to me at the trade deadline. I said then, trade the pick. If you can get the right move, trade the pick. Because you don't know, it could be get it could become more valuable, it could become less valuable. And I think because they didn't land in the top two, it became a little less valuable. Dragon Bender, who played 13 minutes a game in Israel, does not is not attractive to me. Only on ESPN New Hampshire. Local sports talk for the New Hampshire sports fan. You're listening to ESPN New Hampshire. Excuse me, I'm not in my best I've been gone for a month I've been drunk since I left These so-called vacations will soon be my death I'm so sick from the drink I need home for a rest We arrive down his first. Isaiah throws it up, gets two. <laughs> it is amazing. It's incredible. Isaiah dips the shoulder on Galloway, takes the fall away, gets the roll. I am amazed every single time I watch him play and score. I'm so sick from the drink. I need home for a rest. Take me home. And welcome back to the stretch run here on ESPN New Hampshire. Jimmy Murphy here on a Tuesday, a rainy Tuesday. Turn it up again, Justin. I want to hear a little more of that. I love this song. Yeah, there we go. Spirit of West. Home for a rest. No needs home for a rest right now is the Boston Celtics. Celtics need some rest. <laughs> they need some mental rest, get back, put it all behind them. They're home tomorrow. Dallas Mavericks come to town. Time to show up and be what the team everyone thought, including yourselves, could be. And on to discuss if they can do that, if they can finally get it together mentally, because that's what I think it is right now. I mean, could they use more talent? Of course they could. But I think this is a lot of mental stuff right now, and they need a little little home cooking, a little rest, clear their heads tonight. I'm sure they haven't been drunk for a month. Like I was telling you, that's how I feel when I come home from Montreal. Yeah. The words to that song best <laughs> describe that. That's how I was feeling uh, driving home, uh, listening to uh, our next guest and, and you, Sully. Uh, Sean Sindel, our ESPN New Hampshire Celtics insider. And you hear him on Saturday mornings as well, joining us right now. He also hosts the Granite. State game day, by the way, on Saturday mornings. Sean, how you doing? Hey, what's up, fellas? You know, it's great. My promo. You set that up, didn't you, Sully? My promo plays right before I come on air. Of course, yeah. <laughs> there yeah, you go. Trade the pick promo, yes. There you go. Trade the pick. Trade the pick. <laughs> that I don't think that's ever going to leave the ESPN uh, airwaves, Sean. You know, it's, it's, it's a staple. I don't make great predictions frequently but i'll tell you what that was one of them as well as trading buckles back when he was healthy those two i'll hang my hat on i will oh. hang my hat on those two. Oh yeah yeah though you know he did turn out to be the best second half pitcher uh they had yeah that's not saying much that's the problem <laughs> yeah that is the problem exactly maybe they shouldn't have signed uh well we won't get into that we're here to talk celtics uh <laughs> anyhow Sean, you'd agree with me. I mean, right now, look, we all know they need a marquee superstar. They need more talent. That's 
That's well known. But in terms of identifying specifically right now in this situation what has gone on with this team, it just seems all mental to me. And, you know, you I heard you talking about it last week when you were filling in for me, and, and, and nothing's changing. They look like they turned a corner when they beat Indiana on the road, uh, coming on heels, you know, back-to-back nice. They played the Knicks in Boston the night before. Get get it together upstairs, eh? I'll tell you what, Murph, that's exactly – I thought they were turning a corner. They they defeat the Knicks at home. That's not a big deal. Look, the Knicks suck. Carmelo Anthony was rattled by the referees, got kicked out. They blew them out. Okay, great. They then go into Indiana, who I think has more natural talent on their team than the Celtics do. Uh, Paul George is a phenomenal basketball player, someone I would love to have in Boston. But they go into – Indiana, and they get a good six-point win. So I'm thinking, okay, just like you said, Murph, this is a corner. They have a, a one-win team down in New Orleans. This should be another win, despite not having someone to really cover Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. Instead, they turn around and allow 106 points, play minimal defense, and lose to a team that, again, let me let me say it one more time, had one win going into the night. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you, man. And it's like, it's almost, we were saying before, they, they, and you said this too, they seem to have read their clippings and think that they're the type of, t- I don't think any team should be able to do this, but they think that there's this team that can walk in and say, oh, you know, look who we're playing. We could take the night off and still beat them. Oh, that, that has absolutely happened multiple times this season. Their loss uh, against the uh, Wizards, I almost said the Bullets there, it just shows showing my age. Uh, the loss against the Wizards, the loss against the Nuggets, and then, of course, most recently against the Pelicans. They're looking at these teams and saying, okay, well, this is what we have to do. And Isaiah Thomas, by the way, a, a finger that is double the size it should be, goes out and scores 35 points, uh, 37 points excuse me, last night, and also leads the team in assists with seven assists. It's Isaiah Thomas. The guy doesn't like passing the ball. So what's going on? And, oh, by the way, leader in rebound was six foot two, uh, uh, Avery Bradley. <laughs> What is wrong with this team? That's that hustle when you have one of the shortest guys on the court leading your team in rebounds in the game. By the way, Anthony Davis, someone had to clear him out. Okay, how does no one else above 6'5 get a rebound or lead the team in rebounds? <laughs> it's desire. It, it, it's mental, just like you said, Murph, leading into it. There is too much going on in their heads, and they need to figure it out. So let me ask you this. I mean, he hasn't been criticized much, and I don't think he's deserved it much at all. He's done a great job since he's become head coach. But, I mean, can you start looking at maybe Brad Stevens as, as you know, I mean, part of its coaching, part of its preparation. Does some of this fall on him right now? Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. That's 100% fair. And part of it is because he's never stuck to a specific – lineup. He always mixes it up his rotation. And I'm okay with that. And he's still trying to figure it out early in the season. But the other aspect is the motivational side. And while he's very behind the scenes, he's not going to be in your face, something needs to happen behind the scenes or maybe he needs to get some more energy in front of everyone. I'm not quite sure what it is, but it's beginning to go down the road of remember when Larry Bird was uh, was a head coach in Indiana, he said, you know, you can be a head coach for three, four years, and then, all, then the players ignore you. And he stepped down from a very talented team. Why? Because he knew his players would start to ignore him. It's only been a few years, but right now, it doesn't seem like the players are responding to Brad Stevens the same way they have in the past. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I'm thinking right now, I don't know what he's doing these days, if he's busy, but maybe they call up Bobby Knight, bring him in for a special guest appearance in the dressing room. <laughs> he might be just yeah. what the doctor ordered. You know, just start throwing chairs at people and start choking players. It's, it's all right. Bring back the old school style. Of course, that would not go well in this world. Hey, LeBron might get mad. You know, he well, might get mad. We don't want we don't want to tick him and his posse off. Uh, LeBron would have to pick out hand pick someone who he could manipulate on the sideline anyway. So Bobby <laughs> would not be the right choice. He's better off picking Sully to stand there and look like Doc Rivers while he manipulates him. <laughs> All right, so they bring in the Mavericks tomorrow. Uh, give us a little quick, before we let you go, a little scouting report on the current Dallas Mavericks. Oh, the Mavericks are not the team that people remember from when they, they won the, the championship against uh, the Heat, of course, LeBron James and the Heat that year. Uh, Dirk Nowitzki is, remember, he was drafted the same year as Paul Pierce. Uh, so he's 
only a couple of years younger than Pierce. He's been around the block. Uh, they have Harrison Barnes now, who I think is an overrated guy. This is a team that they should beat. This is a, a team, a Dallas team that does not have enough natural talent right now to win a ton of basketball games. Darren Williams is on that team. Remember when Darren Williams was good in Utah? Yeah, not the case anymore. So this is a, this is a game that they can win. It's a, this is a shell of what you remember of the Dallas Mavericks. They have Steph Curry's kid brother on the team. He does nothing. Sucks. So <laughs> these, these these are the guys. These are the guys you have to contend with. They got this the wrong Curry. Oh yeah, they got. They're better off with Dell than, than Steph Curry. <laughs> That's just brutal, man. That's brutal. I love you, Deshaun. That's why we have you on the show. Listen, my friend, you are welcome anytime. We'll have to get you in studio sometime and talk some Celtics. And uh, and, and you and, and you and Sally can reminisce from the memories when uh, you filled in for me. I'll tell you what, guys. That sounds perfect. But also, big college basketball night. Uh, Kentucky, Michigan State, of course. Uh, Wisconsin, Creighton, and Duke, Kansas. Just in case, Sally. Oh, yeah. Out. And by the way, this game going on right now, uh, Oregon, number four team in the nation, is losing to Baylor uh, 52-42 as we speak in the second I'm quarter. I'm actually watching it right now on my iPad. Baylor is a more, this is, I thought this could happen. Oregon's great, but Baylor is an underrated team right now. Very athletic. They're always athletic. Uh, and they always play well early in the season. It's at the end when they start to trail off. So this could be uh, a good upset early on for them. Cool. We had uh, Peter. We didn't get to talk college basketball, and I was thinking of you when we had him on. The former uh, UMass assistant coach, he's a friend of mine based out of Montreal, Peter Yiannopoulos, joined us. But we'll get him on again, and if you ever need him, let me know. He's really good at uh, talking NBA in college and uh, he's going to come down here sometime. We're going to get him in studio, Sean, so maybe you can join us. And uh, we're going to have Antonio's Pizza from Amherst. I don't know if you've ever had it, but we're, we're going to get that here to the studio somehow. Not only does hanging out with you guys talking basketball, college, and professional sound great, but hanging out, trying some new pizza, sign me up. Oh, yeah. Antonio's Pizza at UMass Amherst is legendary, buddy. So we will get you on board there. Hey, have a good one, my friend. Enjoy the college ball. We'll talk to you soon. All right, big good fellas, thanks. All right, that's Sean Sindel of UMass, of UMass, of yeah, he's not going to like that, of ESPN <laughs> New Hampshire joining us here on the stretch run. We're already two hours down, Sully. One hour to go as we take you down the stretch run of your work day here on ESPN New Hampshire. Stay with us. We're talking Bruins next. Or, excuse me, we're going to talk Manchester Monarchs next with Rich Seeley and then some Bruins with Mick Collagio. So it's all hockey in the final hour here on the stretch run. We'll be back.